Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. We praise you. We give this service to you, Lord. Have your way, God. Your spirit's here. Your word's going to touch us. In Jesus' name, we praise you. We have faith in you, God, right now. In the name of Jesus, you're going to move. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Uh, I'm going to have you be seated. I don't have a scripture to read right now, and I'm not even going to give you my title right now. Amen. So it's a little bit of a mystery. So you may be seated. Praise God. Uh, just because of the way this is, uh, it's going to come up in, in just a little bit. But don't worry, i got plenty of scriptures. Praise God. You know, a pessimist is a person who emphasizes bad aspects or conditions and expects the worst. The pessimist sees a glass filled halfway and says the glass is half empty. You know, Eeyore, the gray donkey in the Winnie the Pooh cartoons, was a great example of a pessimist. Amen. And, you know, he had kind of a, a low, you know, kind of depressing voice. You remember those cartoons? Yeah, my name is Eeyore. You know, kind of like that, right? And someone would say, good morning, Eeyore. And he would respond, if it is a good morning, which I doubt. Or he said, he would say, I never get my hopes up, so I never get let down. That's a pessimist. He also said, don't worry about me. Go and enjoy yourself. I'll stay here and be miserable. That's a pessimist. And his last quote, it's not, he's got quite a few. He's got at least 50 if you want to go look them up. Uh, but his last one that I picked was, the sky has finally fallen. Always knew it would. Yep, you're a pessimist. See, the pessimist is a cynical and a negative person who's full of doubt. They have a hard time believing the Word of God. You know, I, I think of a story in the Old Testament when the nation of Syria brought their army against the city of Samaria in Israel, and they just camped all around and surrounded that city and cut off their supply lines to where the people in the city, they ran out of food, they ran out of hope, there was a famine, in that city because of the enemy, amen, and the king was so upset that he was mad at Elisha because of it, but it was because of the wickedness of the, of the city that this was happening, but Elisha gave a prophecy because God was about ready to turn things around and get rid of the Syrian army, and gave a prophecy and said, tomorrow about this time, there's going to be barley and grain and good stuff flowing, and it's going to be cheap because there's going to be so much of it. And there was a man, there was an officer, kind of like a right-hand man who the king leaned on, uh, and he, he said in Second Kings 7, 2, an officer whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? That's what the pessimist said. God, the man of God said, tomorrow, I don't care what it's been like for the last 
however many weeks or months that they've been in, under siege, amen, tomorrow, God's going to turn this around. And he said, oh, if the and windows of heaven open, could this thing be? And you know what Elisha told him? He said, oh, yeah, it's going to be, and you're going to see it, Mr. Officer, but you're not going to partake of it. And sure enough, the next day, God worked a miracle, and uh, through a miracle, the Syrian army thought there was something happening. They heard some things. They, they thought they were scared, and they just left everything. They just left their tents. They left everything. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Amen. And the, and the city was notified, and they went out, and there was, there was cooks cooking uh, utensils still out there. There was fire still burning. There was food on the fire. There was, you know, there was the, the tents and all the, they left everything. They left all their supplies and their food. And by the time they, they got out of that city and took all that back to the city, amen, the prophecy came to pass. But sadly, that officer, let's praise him for that. Amen. In one day's time, God could turn around a situation from famine to feast. But sadly, per the prophecy, but Elijah said, that officer, he, when the gates opened, he stood in the gate, and when, they, when the, the city was told that the Syrians left and all this stuff was out there, there was a mass exit out of that city gates to go like, woo, and they were running toward those tents to get the food. Well, that guy got trampled in the gates. You'll see it, but you won't partake of it. So the pessimist doesn't end up, uh, amen, on the good side of things a lot of times. Praise God. I remember on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, amen, 120 in that upper room, the beginning, the birthday of the church, uh, amen. And these uh, wonderful people, these 120 people, including the apostles and the mother of Jesus, came walking and, and stumbling down the stairs of that upper room, amen, in the city, there was a big noise and a, a big a stir, and people heard about it, and a crowd gathered because the Feast of Pentecost was in town at that time. A lot of people were there, and they came, and they saw these people stumbling down the stairs, amen, and, and they start, and they heard them speak in tongues and in languages that they knew that these Galileans would not have known, amen, and they stood there amazed and perplexed, actually, Chapter 2.12 said, what can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. That's what a pessimist said. Not that God's church has been born. Not that God's spirit has been poured out and the prophecy in Joel, amen, has been fulfilled. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and on my, sp and on my handmaidens and my servants I'll pour out my spirit. At that This is that, Peter said. He began to preach about it, but there was some in the crowd, these are just drunk. These are just drunk. That's all. The optimist, on the other hand, that's a better situation, is a person who usually expects good things to happen. The optimist sees a glass filled halfway and says, it's not half empty, it's half full. Amen. Winston Churchill said this, a pessimist, sees the difficulty in every opportunity, and the optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Amen. I remember reading in the Bible in the New Testament where a desperate father had a son who was demon-possessed and nobody could help. Amen. He came desperately to Jesus and said, 
Amen. I need help. You need to help me with my son. And Jesus said unto him in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. This father was trying to be optimistic, and he wasn't a pessimist. Amen. Because it wouldn't have happened if he was a pessimist. But he immediately, the father cried out, of the the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. He was an optimist. He believed the cup was half full, but he saw what was happening to his son, and he saw how long he had been in that condition, and nothing would help. Amen. So he was an optimist, uh, praise God, but he he didn't uh, have uh, enough uh, to really get a hold of what God wanted, but Jesus saw that he had enough for him. Amen. And he took uh, that spirit and cast him out of his son. Amen. I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Amen. The optimist in the crowd that day that I just talked about, the day of Pentecost, remember those ones were pessimists. These people are just drunk. That's all. But after Peter preached a while, amen, and, the, and he, uh, he told them what they must do to be saved, the optimist uh, in the crowd uh, said to Peter, amen, well, uh, what, what can we do? Amen. And he told him what to do. Praise God. And when that first sermon was done being preached, they believed what he said and they took it to heart and they were saved. And Acts 2, 2.41 said, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So see, it pays to be optimistic. Amen. Even if you have doubt, even if you don't know about God too much. If you're an optimistic person and you've got an open heart, amen, God can use that and God can can change your situation. But even the optimist who's not trusting in God and his word will not have the level of optimism that God desires him to have. Amen. You see, the best this world can offer is a half full cup and we should never amen settle for we should never be satisfied with a half full cup when my God has so much more for us praise God amen so now I'm getting to my title Hallelujah. amen I thank God so we talked about the pessimist And we talked about the optimist. But I thank God there's a third option. And that's what I want to be. That's what I'm striving to be. Amen. There's a third option, and that's my title tonight. Amen. I want to teach about the psalmist. There's a pessimist. There's the optimist. And then there's the psalmist. Amen. The psalmist sees the cup much differently than the pessimist and the optimist. He sees it as running over. Because in the life of the psalmist, God does nothing halfway. Amen. He does it all the way. Praise God. And the psalmist says, my cup runs over. It's not half empty. It's not half full. It runs over. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. When the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And when I have Jesus in my life, my cup is not only full, but it is overflowing. It is running over. 
So let's take the Winston Churchill quote a little bit further. Amen. The pessimist finds, amen, difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist finds opportunity in every difficulty. Amen. Hallelujah. And the psalmist sees God's hand in everything that happens to them. Oh, I want to be a psalmist. I want to be a psalmist. The psalmist is not just an optimistic person. He's a person with faith, or she's a person with faith and expectation in God's ability to do anything in their life, even if it's deemed impossible by others. Amen. Nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. My cup runs over. And with God, nothing shall be impossible. The psalmist strives to have unwavering faith in God and his word and lives each life, amen, each day of his life accordingly. I want to be a psalmist. Let's hear some more encouraging words from the psalmist, shall we? Amen. Psalm 70, 37, verse 5. Delight, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Sounds like a full cup to me. Praise God. Uh, Psalms uh, uh, 103. Verse 2, amen, says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Amen. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Amen. That's a full cup, an overflowing cup. Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. I can't keep up with the benefits. They're coming out to my ears because they're overflowing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to be a psalmist. I want to be a psalmist. And Psalms 86, 15, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, plenteous in mercy and in truth. I want to be a psalmist. Jesus did not come to give us a half empty or a half full life. He came to give us the greatest life a person could ever live on the face of this earth. Praise the Lord. Amen. He, he said there's a thief coming and he's coming to steal and kill and destroy. But he said in the rest of that verse in John 10, 10, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly, flowing over an abundance of life. Amen. The huge multitude that had been with Jesus for hours out, way out from any town. Amen. As the afternoon just wore on and he saw that they were hungry, praise God. And with a little boy's lunch. He sat them all down. There was 5,000 men, the Bible said, not including their wives and kids. Amen. If, if most of those guys were married, that's 10,000. If they had at least two kids, amen. Let's throw them under, throw it, that's 20,000, right? Amen. Let's see, okay, it's close enough. I don't know. Amen. But that's a lot of people. And he's just got a little boy's lunch. Hallelujah. Amen. So, you know what happened. Jesus just 
took that little boy's lunch and made just enough for everybody to have a little pinch, like when you're walking by the food court at the mall and they give you a little toothpick. Would you like to try a little sample? And everyone got a toothpick sample, and everybody said, praise you, Lord. Oh, no, that's not what happened, because, amen, the psalmist was there. Jesus was there. Amen, revival was there. Praise God, the multiplier was there. Oh, no, the Bible said in Matthew 14, 20, so they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Amen, so they were filled, but the 12 baskets was the overflow. 20,000 people at least approximately 20,000 and they all ate to the full and then there was bonus praise God amen because God works in abundance God doesn't just add. He multiplies. The pessimist subtracts and divides. Amen. The optimist, he does his best, but all he can do is add. But God says the psalmist, amen, believes God to multiply, to multiply. Amen. When you honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase, then your cup will run over. Proverbs 3.10. And so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Everybody say overflow. They were overflow with new wine. When you honor the Lord. That's what the psalmist does. And when you honor the Lord by returning what belongs to him in the tithe, then your cup runs over. Malachi 3.10, prove me, dare me. Amen. Put me to the test, God says. Now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Amen. When you try to pour a gallon pitcher into a 16-ounce glass, it's not going to fit. It's going to overflow. And that's what God's going to do for you if you're a psalmist and you honor God you do the if he'll do the then Woo, praise God when you understand it's more blessed to give than to receive and when you are a cheerful giver that gives unselfishly and bountifully then your cup will run over praise God Luke chapter 6 verse 38 give and it shall be given to you good measure pressed down, shaken together, and everybody say it with me, running over, say it again, running over shall men give unto your bosom. Woo, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God doesn't want to do anything halfway in our life. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, he said in verse 19, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants to fill us with all the fullness of God. He doesn't want us three quarters, half, one quarter. Amen. We're not some ta- gas tank where we can't afford, you know, the $6 gas. So, we, you know, I got told my wife, I said, you know what? I'm just not going to buy gas. Well, your tank's going to run out. Well, we'll just see how it goes. Amen. But, you know, I had to buy it because the price didn't go down. Praise the Lord. Amen. But we're not a gas tank. God wants to fill us overflowing. Overflowing. Oh, hallelujah. All of this is made possible. Amen. Well, let's look at verse number 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, that works in us. 
Amen. So if we ask for something, amen, he'll do more than that. Amen. Exceeding abundantly above what we ask or think. And that's why, folks, we don't need to be thinking about a half-full glass when we're in our prayers with God. When we're asking God for things, we don't need to be thinking about even a half a half empty or a half full glass. We need to be thinking about an overflowing glass because he's able to do it. Shoot for the stars. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. But it's according. It's all made possible according to the power that, worketh, that works in us. Now, what is that power? Amen. That power in the Bible has been compared to and symbolized as wind and oil, and even new wine. Amen. That power in the Bible is also compared to or symbolized as fountains. Amen. Wells springing up, rivers of water. Jesus said in John 4.14, He told the woman at the well, at Jacob's well, He said, But whosoever, whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up into everlasting life. That sounds like an overflowing cup to me. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus was at the great, He was at the feast. Amen. And he cried out to the crowd, uh, and he said in verse 38, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Amen. The Spirit's compared to a fountain of water springing up in our life. The rivers of living water coming out. Amen. That sounds like an overflowing vessel to me. That sounds like something that can't contain what God has for us. Praise God. Amen. So, of course, he's talking... What's he talking about? That power that works in us that's compared to fountains and rivers. Amen. Springing up wells compared to wind, compared to even fire, compared, amen, to new wine, amen, and oil. It's none other than the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost in our lives. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. We need that. We need that. If we don't have that, we need that. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, amen, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. All 120 were filled. Don't, don't, don't think that uh, if someone tried to talk you out of saying, well, it's not just for anybody and everybody. It's just a spare experience. It's just an optional thing. Oh, no. Amen. It's not a spare tire experience. It's not saying, well, well, you know, it's not the sunroof or I don't have to have a sunroof. I can still drive the car. Oh, no. This experience I'm talking about, the power that worketh in you, amen, it's the steering wheel. It's the brakes. It's the tires. Amen. I got to have it to let the car go. I got to have it. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Oh, praise God. And I'm just encouraging everyone, whoever does not have that experience, amen, it's for you. They that gladly received his word were baptized. They received that experience and they were added to the church. 3,000 souls after one sermon. Amen. Can you imagine? A church of 120. The first sermon and then 
after church, they had a church of 3,120. Well, I guess we're going to find a bigger building. They didn't even have a building. I guess we're going to find a bigger field. The 120 fit in the upper room. They weren't going to fit up there anymore. They had 3,120, and it just kept going and going and overflowing, and God was sending revival. Amen. God said, said to us, we need a hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need to be hungry. Amen. If, if you're hungry for something, you go out and get it and eat it, right? My wife has cravings about all kinds of stuff. I don't really, I, I just tell her, I like any kind of food, whatever you want. No, no, I want you to pick. I don't care. I want, I want you to be disappointed. Because then she goes, okay, I'll pick. Amen. And she goes, yeah, I was kind of disappointed. I go, that's why I don't want to pick anymore. Because I don't care. I like all kinds of food. Amen. And if I'm hungry for something, I'll go get it. Amen. If I feel like little Caesars, amen, I'm heading over. Getting there before 2 o'clock so I can get the, you know, the uh, four-piece deep dish with the drink deal for five bucks. Oh, you mean the deal's over? It's only 201. Can you give me a little, cut me some slack? But you know what? Amen. When you're hungry for something, you go get it and you satisfy that hunger. And no one's getting the Holy Ghost unless you hunger for it. Amen. No one's going to be baptized with the Spirit unless you hunger for it. And I'm praying, to, amen, in this church for a hunger and a thirst for the Holy Ghost for, for all those that don't have it because God wants you to have it. And let me tell you something, it's the greatest thing you've ever had. It's the greatest experience you've ever experienced. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. They were all filled. Amen. And in order for our cup to run over, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We need to not only be filled, but we need to stay full and overflowing. Amen. I read in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul said in verse 4, He that speaks, speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Amen. So when you receive that wonderful blessing, the person that speaks in tongues, amen, it's an unknown tongue even to the person speaking it. And that doesn't matter because it feels so good. Amen. It doesn't matter that I don't know. I don't know what I've never known what I've ever spoken tongues in my whole Christian life. Amen. But I, that's not the point. Amen. We know it's an unknown tongue. Amen. But you know what it does for you? It edifies that person. The person edifies himself when he has the Holy Ghost or she has the Holy Ghost. What does the word edify mean? To build up, to strengthen. Amen. You speak in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Amen. Which is an indicator, which is a, a kind of a, a gauge of the Spirit living inside of you. Amen. Uh, praise God. Uh, when, as the Spirit gives you the utterance or the ability, it builds you up, it strengthens you, and it blesses you. So I'll tell you what speaking in tongues is. It is a fountain of water springing up from your very heart and soul that cannot be contained in your spirit and in your body. Amen. Amen. It is rivers of living water flowing out of you. It is your cup running over. Amen. I want to be a psalmist. I want to be a spirit-filled psalmist. I don't, I'm done with the pessimist. I'm done with the optimist stuff. Amen. It's okay. Optimism's great, but it's limited. Without God in your life, optimism has its limits. 
That father of the demon-possessed boy, he was optimistic when he heard about Jesus and what he could do. But he, he said, I do believe, but there's doubt right here. Help thou mine unbelief. The optimist came to the end, and then he let Jesus take over from there. And Jesus put him, his cup running over right there in that spot because God, amen, loves us. He wants our cup to run over. He wants us to trust in him. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, and may God bless you.